Tiffany's and bottles of bubbles Girls with tattoos who like getting in trouble Lashes and diamonds, ATM machines Find myself all of my favorite things Been through some bad shit, I should be a savage Who would've thought it turned me to a savage? Rather be tied up with calls and no strings Write my own checks like I write what I sing Everybody, welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, owner founder of Be There in Five, the company, host of the Be There in Five podcast, author of Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, a fairy tale for the digital age that is available on Amazon, and you can buy it in the show notes. There is a link, and I would so so appreciate it if you would buy my book so I can make other books because unfortunately that's how it works. A lot of you entered my giveaway last week, and only five people won. But in like 400 people or even more than that entered it. And I was like, oh my God, if each one of these people would shell out $14.95 for this book, I'd actually be able to write another one, which would be like life-changing. Because long story short, like four or 500 books is a, is a lot of volume in the book world. Like New York Times bestseller list is selling 5,000 copies in a week, which would, when you think about like album sales, movie tickets the the volume in terms of units is so much higher so truly if you listen to this if you love this if you want to support me think about it your your purchase does matter believe it or not like literally every single one matters at my level otherwise my publisher will think that you know i wasn't worth taking a chance on and you know i'm just like a ball of anxiety about this all day every day so what a positive note to start this on um i just figure because everybody else starts their podcast with like this podcast brought to you by I figure like this podcast brought to you by me and all the stuff I'm constantly hawking, tap dancing, begging people to buy. Um, so <clears throat> it will be less cluttered with be there in five tastic things if and when we have sponsors. I also think the sponsorships are like, I don't know, they're so funny in context with the content of the podcast because so often... Well, you know, I don't like true crime, but in the off chance, I'll try to listen to a popular one just so I can be cool and relevant there. Whenever it's like, and then he dragged her out into the woods, skinned her alive and wore her around like last season's mink fur vest. This podcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter. I'm like, yikes. <laughs> like, don't the advertisers want to be in slightly better context? Some of the stuff people talk about on these things is dark. And I, 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 I don't know. It's like when I'm pitching people, I'm really trying to pitch like the content. It being like, and I'm and sometimes I worry, I'm like, oh, do I say too much about like celebrities or people? And then I'm like, no, people talk about crazy stuff on podcasts that have sponsors, and I shouldn't worry. But, anyways, no, no third love bras yet for this gal. Fingers crossed. Here's to hoping. I definitely fell for the scam and bought one that I could return for free shipping, but then like no one's ever going to do that, you know? Spoiler alert, I don't think it's that comfortable. And if they ever offer me a sponsorship, I will delete this. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that. The second half of my interview with Kelly from that the podcast a couple weeks ago, it is on Patreon, but I my computer broke. I don't have the raw file. I need to get it off Patreon and edit it, and I don't know. It's just a lot that I need to figure out. So if you want to hear like us play name that tune, it's on patreon.com slash be there in five. It's a dollar a month for bonus content. Um, and until then, uh, I'll just, I'm sorry, I'll have to deal with just me and what I recorded this week because that's all I have right now. So I do apologize. I, uh, you just heard Seven Rings by Ari Ariana Grande. 
which is she it's her third single off her new album thank you next and then imagine and then this one seven rings and i gotta be honest the first time i heard it i was like oh my god this is disgusting this is so tone deaf she's just bragging about her money who who cares and um second listen i was like you know nodding my head i was like okay okay it's toe tapper and then you know by listens three to five i was all in because i had to check myself because i realized that in a lot of hip-hop music rap music in a lot of music men make like i love the weekend for example i don't even listen to the lyrics really but i like when the beat's good when it's a good song period i'm not concerned with the lyrics and so many men rap or sing about all the stuff they have all the women they have all the money they have what they do in the club and i don't even care and i was kind of like it's so ridiculous that i'm like turning up my nose at ariana grande for basically doing the same thing but then watching the video i was like i don't think she's totally serious it's very tongue-in-cheek she said it's more like the how your friends want you to feel after a breakup and i loved that framing of it because you guys have all been there when your friends are like, let's go out, screw him. And you're like, yeah. And then an hour in, you're like crying at the bar and you Irish goodbye, take yourself home. And I don't know, put on a season of Gilmore Girls and order some Wendy's, maybe a spicy chicken sandwich. As I've always said, Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich absorbs all tears and all alcohol and really is a hangover helper. It sounds like hamburger helper. It's a cute brand name. Anyway, I... um. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh, Seven Rings. And it's it's kind of like insert obvious jokes here about people's lack of wealth. Like I'm just ready for a bajillion parody songs or like musically 12-year-old stars or I don't know who are these people Jacob Sartorius, I don't know. Like there's a lot of youngsters that do like cute funny videos on YouTube and sometimes they're not that bad but on principle I just can't get on board. I just feel like it's asking to be a meme. It's asking to be a thing. Like, she's smart. It has legs. Like, there's a lot of it's very quotable. It's very, like, you go, girl. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I just, every time I listen to it, I'm like, I can't believe how much time I spend searching for coupon codes. Save nominal amounts of money. Like, I just imagine being a person that you're at checkout online shopping and you're not like scouring retail me not the coupon king and then like the weird lesser known sites that are probably going to give you a virus like i can't even think about like a coupon igloo <laughs> is that real i have no idea um i'm thinking of igloos because i watched atypical which i loved on netflix highly recommend i actually recorded a lost episode about all the things i watched on netflix over the past two three weeks because i've been watching a lot of netflix in the background and uh it's gone because i think it's my computer broke Anyway, what was it? Seven Rings, duh. I don't know. Just get ready for like a ton of content. Like, there's just, there's so much there. Like, you like my hair? Gee, thanks. Just washed it. The worst part is that's not even my truth. I really very rarely wash my hair. I leave the house so infrequently, it's alarming. I mean, besides Trader Joe's Aldi and seeing my sister, it's it's getting to a point where... Ugh, I don't know. I went to a bachelor viewing night at a bar last night, and there was like so many girls my age just like gabbing. And Kelly and I are just like, we're here to make friends. Unlike these two pageant girls, like, hello, open for business. It's just like, no, everyone has their existing friend group. Nobody wants to talk to you. It's, it's like 
so awkward and I just don't I don't know I'm fine it's just like hilarious for my sister and I to be like grown women we have each other's company but we're just like peering around seeing if anyone happens to be like you know peering around for friends too which who the hell's gonna do that in a huge group where you're already having fun and uh she and I talked about how we should do that with like some of the girls in the Facebook group or like people in sh- that are in Chicago that couldn't come to the book thing or I don't know come down for a meetup I think that'd be super fun. If you're in Chicago, uh, I don't know when we're going to plan it. but uh, Or join Be There in Five's Totally Casual Breezy Facebook group. There's a link in the show notes. Um, if, you know, you want to come. I don't know if it'll actually happen. We'll see. I have too much paranoia with planning things that nobody comes to, so I generally, you know, talk myself out of it. But if there's enough expressed interest, I would love uh, to meet a lot of you. And as I said, you know, to to hang out, uh, drink, and judge people under the guise of tasteful observation that's what i do best um anyway again what was i talking okay seven rings okay the reason i came around to it yeah it's about how your friends want you to feel and it's that like artificial inflated feeling of like confidence and badassery and just kind of being superficial for a hot second because all of the emotions that have depth are are just too hard to address at the moment. And um, also, I don't know. So anyways, I was checking myself in terms of like, okay, if a dude sung this, what I think twice, no. So I need to stop projecting double standards on women because I hate when people do that. And I'm part of the problem, clearly. And then I realized it was kind of tug in cheek and I liked how she talked about it. And then I was kind of like, it's also um, adorably selfless of her to buy six of her friends diamond rings. And even though the rest of the song's super self-indulgent, I was like, I love that idea because I would do the same thing. If I if I had tons and tons of money, I would get so much satisfaction out of doing things for other people, which can be hard because it's awkward to accept something on the receiving end of that. But you sometimes it's not a gift isn't about you. It's about how it makes the other person feel. So whenever people are like trying to return gifts or like are like, no, 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 or pushing back or don't seem excited about being given something, I'm like, no one held a gun to their head to give it to you be gracious, absorb the care, the love language of gifting they're giving to you and allow the person to feel validated in that sort of, you know, gesture. Anyway, if I had a ton of money, like if I won the lottery, I mean, first I would like, you know, I have anybody's close to me, like student loans. I just start a small trust that's invested in a diverse uh, portfolio that could only be taken out in prorated amounts for all of my family members because I read that if you do win the lottery you should not tell anybody and pick all the people you want to you know want to be beneficiaries of your newfound wealth start small trusts for all of them diversify the portfolio have them only be able to take out small amounts at a time and then tell people so it's like here, this is what you get. I've already set it up for you. You can't get it all at once. And I know that sounds like weird to say to somebody, but it actually, it, it's like to to avoid family drama and to avoid self-destruction. It's like, you weren't going to have this money anyway. So don't act all of a sudden like it, it should be given to you in a structure that you want. This is what I want. And this is how I want it to not impact my friendships and family. And um, you're like, so yeah, I'm, you know, we're going to go on XYZ trip. I'm going to do XYZ with my money. I just want everybody to feel like I've given them something and that's going to be that. And that way people aren't like begging you for money that are close to you. Um, But after, you know, doing that, 
This is super fun, super wild. I'm just like whooping it up with my <laughs> newfound wealth, creating a diversified investment portfolios for my four-year-old and five-year-old nephews. Um, and then I would, well, I'd take my family on like a huge trip. We'd splash out. We'd go to Italy. We'd have a private jet tour of every, you know, high-end vineyard. In Italy, I'd maybe like, I mean, there's, I'm not going to get into it. There's so many things I would do. However, I would get so much satisfaction out of treating the people who have always been there for me, who have supported me, who have been unwavering despite where I've been in my life. And I think that's really hard because I think a lot of friendships over like ebb and flow with the stage of your life you're in. Like even with a lot of my friends that are mothers, sometimes I think I sub subconsciously pull back a little bit. Partially out of my own anxieties about not being there yet, partially out of just like not being able to provide it the right, uh, you know, relationship to what they're going through or support that I think you would need. I think, too, like you just are busier, like you have a bigger fish to fry when you're, you know, have a new baby or like, you know, when somebody's, you know, still in school and you're not when somebody's, you know, in a tougher place in life, like whenever I'm having a depressive episode, I, I like avoid calls like I cannot catch up with people on the phone because the the question of what are you up to what's next like it kills you and and it's too hard to like articulate and justify your situation to yourself much less other people so like I do think friendships kind of can ebb and flow but there's always the subset that you have that kind of endures any of that and that is like I don't know. I just think it's so sweet that her engagement broke up and she chose to gift her friends rings, not engagement rings. So long story short, eight minutes later of me talking about the song, I support it. Go Ariana. I'm happy for her newfound success, but as we all know, equally skeptical of how this smash of an album, two number one singles after four or five years of no number ones. Like I can't. <laughs> there, it's, it's about this engagement and... Pete says Scooter Braun introduced them at a party in May at the SNL after party or whatever. And I just can't deal with this maybe just not even ever being real. Anywho, um, I wrote down a list of things I felt I needed to address <laughs> for the past two weeks because I wasn't able to do a podcast last week. And guys, you know, this isn't a professional operation yet. So if I had advertisers and stuff, I would get, go to a studio. I'd, I'd you know... I'd tighten this up a bit, but like my husband worked from home a few days last week and I, it, our, our place is too small and echoey and I cannot record a podcast naturally if not just him, anybody's around. And sometimes tugboat makes me self-conscious. Like, so anyway, it, it, when that happens and the week gets too late, I'm like, oh, by the time I edit this, I'm going to put it out Saturday. I just kind of give up. And, you know, I'm sorry for that lack of consistency, but I'm hoping I'm hoping that will change. Um, I'm a person, I need the accountability. I need, I need, like, that's the hardest part about self-employment for me. Like, I need deadlines. I need somebody to, like, manage time frames because I'm such a scatterbrained creative type that, like, I just am always working on 20 things poorly instead of one or two things well. <laughs> um, okay, this list is, like, pretty lame now that I'm looking at it. Number one, the egg. Kill me. I'm going to place my bets on it being Billy from, from Fire Festival from prison started that egg. We don't know who's behind it. It got millions and millions of followers in like a day. It got the highest number of likes on Instagram. 
surpassing Kylie's surprise baby, Stormy, one of the best kept secrets of, of, of our time. <laughs> um, and I, I, it's, it's stuff like that. It, it's stuff like the egg, the Fiji water girl, uh, the baby that is the face of Pantene Pro V. I'm like, okay, so we're facing, how, how can I compete with a poultry? With a baby with a luscious head of hair. Uh, and with a girl that is a living, walking, planned out meme because she wanted to be like selfie kid and get in the back of everything. And I just heard she's like starring in a movie or something now. It, it's like, it's impossible to get yourself on the map unless it's gimmicky. And when I ever, whenever I have my consulting or coaching calls, I'm always telling people, because this is why I took off, because it's a radio station turned turn off your straightener a photo of one of my mats into a meme um but like if your products are artistic and beautiful and high quality and stuff it's impossible to get someone's attention on the internet because they can't interact with the product so you have to catch their eye with something gimmicky or something that's like oh my god that's so me that's so my mom that's so whoever um that they'll send and they'll share and so then there's an organic you know network of sharing that's happening passively for you without you having to always actively market it and I think that like, I don't know, the egg just confirms everything I hate about social media, but also everything I love for its potential to actually really spread great things, positive things. Not that the egg is negative. It's just like, who's behind that? And he's, the egg is selling merch. What? <laughs> like, how pre-planned is this? How would they ever guess this worked? If I started an egg account, that would never happen. So, like, it, it started by somebody who's already kind of big. And they already had merch locked and loaded with some, like, T-shirt and phone case company. I refuse to go on the merch website and drive traffic to it. I can only imagine it's like, you know, I don't know, T-shirts that say things like woke yoke or uh, stop being so extra. Mm, sunny side up yours you know what i mean it's just gonna be like cutesy eggs garbage that i'm ugh, i don't know whatever um so yeah good times all around for all of these people that are just skyrocketing to fame that are babies inanimate objects or food products or people that just make a marketing strategy to plan to be a meme. In Selfie Kid's defense, he didn't plan to be a meme. In Mason Ramsey's defense, he is talented. I do not always feel this way, but sometimes I just have to draw the line. And fortunately, my line means absolutely nothing to the rest of the world, and I'm just complaining to you because I'm jealous. Anywho, um, to take it way down a notch, guys, please, for the love of God, do not stream R. Kelly's music. The fact that his album sales are skyrocketing, the fact that it took Sony so goddamn long to drop him is disgusting, it's terrifying, it concerns me about the world. Quit supporting artists who are abusive, who are predatory, who are criminals, for the love of God. Chris Brown, R. Kelly, these people are getting more and more money because even if Sony dropped him, who knows what all the logistics of his contracts are and what his ownership rights are to his music in previous years. And the fact that this guy's not in jail yet is, is the crime. The fact that so it took Sony so long and we sat on this for years is the crime. And I can't deal with it. And I was at a bar last night and they were playing R. Kelly music and nobody was reacting. And I was kind of like, oh my God. And then like the show came back on, they turned it off. And I'm, and even if, people aren't recognizing that it's on it's so crazy that it's still in playlists like it needs to be revoked 
from any streaming sites, period, the end. I can't even talk about that documentary. I honestly couldn't even finish it. It, it, I think in a past life, I, I like, it's very, I've never been through anything remotely close to that, but it's so triggering for me. And I don't know why, like I tried to watch the handmaid's tale season two, got through a half of the first episode. And I know I have a weak stomach and I know I'm not, I, I'm like easily spooked, but like, there's just something about uh, degrading acts to women that absolutely like i don't know it, it it shakes me it takes me to a dark place in my core and it gives me a feeling i cannot shake i'm just not a person that can watch something and walk away like it never happened that's why i don't watch true crime anyways i need to go to past past life regression has anybody done that before i'm obsessed with the idea it's I, i'm obsessed with hypnotherapy oh that that's for another day um Anyway, uh, again, it's just not less of religious commentary and more, you know, exploratory. I'm a seeker. I, 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 I always want to, um, I don't know. I, I love like alternate theories that are so separate from anything you ever grew up hearing or knowing, but then learning there's like all this depth and research and in what appears to be validity to all these things that people just don't really talk about in the mainstream. And, you know, two-year-olds that will reel off historically accurate information because their soul is still like slightly crossing over. It's, it's like... I don't know. Good on YouTube. It's fascinating. Um, next up. Okay, so we had Seven Rings. We had The Egg. We had Art Kelly. <laughs> the next one is ramen. What? Like, what? Yeah, so guys, I started eating ramen, and it's delicious, and I've ordered it like 12 times delivery, and I think that's that. I am very partial to a, to a bone broth, a pork ramen. I do not like the egg in it, and I because I think it's triggering for my lack of social media fame. And um, I just wanted to say that I feel really badly that I went so long uh, incorrectly judging uh, a Asian noodle soups. Uh, I was very against pho for all of the puns that the pho restaurants like go pho yourself seem to really take advantage of. And um, I went to like the Chipotle of pho and it was so bad that I, uh, I really ruled out ramen too. And like on these cold winter's nights, there is really nothing that brings me more joy than a light slurping of a smooth noodle with a tender pork belly, some vegetables I cannot eat that I have to scoop out and give to Greg, and a dog that is constantly trying to lick out of my bowl. It, it's a true happy place for me. And I'm sorry I shared that and wrote that down. Um, my next topic was, why does everyone's business name have the word James in it? Uncommon James, Kristen Cavallari, Draper James, Reese Witherspoon, James May, Kristen Doty. Love all three of those gals. Different vibes for all businesses. It's kind of like James May is like a boho Kate Moss, Sienna Miller. Draper James is very Reese Witherspoon. It's very Lily Pulitzer. It's very Sharpay uh, Evans from High School Musical. Uncommon Gems. <laughs> I will forever try to do her. Stefan voice. Also, Stephen um, is in life. Time move was in a lifetime Christmas movie and he is handsome as ever, Stephen Coletti. Um, Uncommon James to me is like, uh, I'm trying to equate it to like a store or an existing brand. It's like very Aritzia, very like middle, middle price point, very now, very well curated, not overly cutesy, not overly edgy, not overly boho. I, I actually think of all those brands, the ones I identify the most with is probably Uncommon James, but they only do like jewelry and accessories, right? I don't think they do clothes, but I think a lot of Kristen's t-shirts are cute. And um, 
I am all, I'm always in support of when people are able to monetize their fame. And I think it's, it's a shame if you don't in some way, shape or form. Um, I mean, look at Melania. She's, she's absolutely crushing it. I'm not watching Real Housewives of New Jersey. I know I should, but I'm just kind of in this phase where I'm like a little housewife bored. And Orange County just really set me over the edge. And um, But I did watch that music video. Uh, I, what, is, what more is there to say about Melania, give me pizza, you old troll, Jaduce? I know they say Judice, but I, I, I like the real pronunciation. I think it's, it's uh, sing-song. It's poetic. Jaduce. Um, but I, I'm proud of her. You know, do I think that it's better than Locke? Um, is that what it's called? Is that Shannon Medore's daughter's band? Locke? L-O-C. It, it's like means something. Ladies of Rock? Yeah. Locke? Whatever. Um, I loved Dreamcatcher. Um, it was so good. But I, I think Melania's ready for her time in the spotlight. I think that Joe's absence is really worn on her. I think his pending deportation is going to give her a lot of um, artistic depth that she can, you know, really write from a place of pain, which is often the best remedy if you're going through something badly. And I, I for one, am excited to see what she does with her career. I do need a little more oomph. The entire song is sung like this. It's almost like she's whispering. There's no inflection. There's no, like, it's, it's a little strange. I don't know what... I mean, did she go to Melissa Gorga's basement record studio? Like, or did she go somewhere real? I, I don't know who was not giving her notes, but anyway. Um, I, last week I was uh, made aware that the 2019 American Girl doll, her name is Blair. She lives on a sustainable farm, runs a high-end B&B in upstate New York with her parents and her big storyline, her big problem, her area of suffering is that she has food sensitivity what food no one knows haven't heard but the f <laughs> like i it's so beyond and here's the thing the, her other big problem is that she's very attached to her screens and the message that she they're trying to get across by having her be in the food industry and having her you know have a sensitivity that she has to work around and having an obsession with her phone is that her mission is to like engage with people, sit down at a table and be present. And that's the message that they want girls to have. Numero uno, what is their demographic? Because I played and used American Girl Dolls when I was way too young for a phone. And I am just horrified if people under 10, under 12, honestly, under 16 have phones. But uh, I don't want to be one of those like grannies that's like, in my day, I didn't have a phone till I drove. And it's like, yeah, cool grandma. But like, shit goes down now in schools and we need to be able to reach people. And I'm like, okay, yeah, here's a phone. My six-year-old child, I'm so worried about you. I want to be able to contact you at all times. But it's like, I don't know. I would disable any and all social media and like texting. It, I'd give my kid a burner phone, basically. They, they would look like Quinn from Homeland. Like, well, why are you secretly in the corner calling your mom on one of those Nokia phones where you switch out the faceplates from the mall kiosk with overpriced designs of Looney Tunes and the like next to the Warner Brothers store. I, I just, I can't imagine give, I, I don't know. I think it, AIM was torture enough. And if you haven't listened to previous episodes of my podcast, I think the episode is called Girl, You Want Tenders. I got tenderness, maybe episode eight. I um, go through like, you know, the, the, the horror, the anxiety of the 
AOL Instant Messenger era in terms of, you know, having the sound on your speaker and going, you know, walking away for a minute just so you, you hear the bottom of like the I am to get excited and maybe it was your crush, but then only to hear a door shutting sound and realize they signed off and you missed your window waiting for them to I am you. It was so stressful. Um, to this day, whenever I send somebody the wrong text, I say, sorry, wrong I am, because I like that was just such a catchphrase of our time, you know? Anyway, um, I fear that I'm a broken record when I talk about the same things over and over. And one thing I do talk about a lot is American Girl Dolls, and I don't know why, but I just think they're like, there's so many aspects of nostalgia that are really over talked about too much. One of those things I would say is like pogs. People are like, remember pogs? I'm like, yeah, I remember when like, five people brought it up to me this past year and they're like, I had a slammer with the skull and crossbones. I'm like, who didn't? Do you have a pulse? But I like things that are like more detailed and more sensory. And I think for in a very specific age group, when, cause I, I only am, I only know a lot about the fab four, uh, Kirsten, Molly, Felicity, Samantha. Addie was kind of when I was growing out of American Girl Dolls. And Addie, Addie's story is like so deep and important and beyond anything any of them ever went through. And I feel like sometimes when I joke about the hardships of Kirsten, because like I had a love-hate relationship with her because like her clothes were so ratty and her storyline was so sad. And like, you know, Samantha had like an amazing, what looked to be a Chanel pocketbook. And like Kirsten was like, I have a carpet bag. And it's just so depressing. It's like literally a bag made from a carpet. Um but Addie's is so much worse. But it's like, I, I can't even go there. Like, I'm not going to compare Blair and Addie. I'm not going to joke about Addie's situation. With Kirsten, you know, is it totally appropriate to laugh about the darkness of her experience as a Swedish immigrant and, you know, America's frontier? No, but also, you know, she's not like a real person. Addie's situation is very real and it's very dark and it's not like i'm gonna dissect aspects of slavery and compare it to blair's food sensitivity so this one everyone to know not a blind spot intentionally not ever jesting about addy anyway i i just i just i don't know when i read about blair i was like oh how the mighty have fallen these books taught us everything about american history we experienced a lot of hardships that were pretty dark i mean it's no it's no it's no walk in the park. It's no Samantha's life, you know, having Kirsten's best friend Marta die on that riverboat. But it was important nonetheless. It made us realize the fragility of our life and how important vaccines are. And, you know, also fed into my organ trail levels of fear about diseases that don't really exist anymore. But I sh- I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that lying awake at night when I was seven, feeling my impending doom for cholera, diphtheria, scarlet fever, dysentery. Uh, Whooping cough does still exist, but, you know, get your DPT, ladies and gents. Anyway, my point is, the more I got into, I could have written these, like, little scenarios with the other American girl dolls reacting to Blair for days, but I was spending too much time on it and needed to work. Somebody needs to create like a web series or something. And it can't be me because I don't know how to produce anything. But I just think the idea of Samantha being a huge rich bitch, basically, and she's in her cape and she has a muff and she has a, you know, butterfly catching costume and a bathing costume. Meanwhile, you know, Kirsten's like, I have a table. Oh, you have you have an outfit specifically for tea time in your parlor. I have a work dress because I have to fish and farm 
And, and if I want to eat, I, I physically have to go find my food. It is not delivered to me by a servant named Nellie, who the one the one sad storyline is that Nellie did have to work. She was a child labor victim and she did have to work on her eighth birthday. And that was sad. And Samantha had a good heart for, you know, trying to break barriers in the Downton Abbey of it all, despite, you know, much to the chagrin of Grand Mary, who was just like the best grandma name ever. But anyways, I just think it's so funny to like, I don't know, they all meet, they get together. It's like a crossover episode. And Samantha goes up to Kirsten and is like, Laura Ingalls Wilder, I love your work. A la Danny DeVito, Mean Girls. And I don't know, she's just Re- Regina George's everybody's clothes. Molly's camp outfit from Camp Gowanigan, very remnant of the Taylor Swift Red Tour. Also for Molly, she could just go in on, bi- like, basically, Samantha is Rachel Lee Cook and she's all that when the glasses and ponytail are taken off. But in this case, it's braids and glasses. They have the same face and same hair and same bangs. I'd like to point out, Felicity, not only did she, you know, found our country, but she also was a crusader in a sense that she is the first doll without bangs. Which, you know, some could argue would be difficult to pull off given the look is so anchored in bangs. But, you know, Samantha would torch her for being a ginger and for being a horse girl. (laughs) I if you love horses, I that's so awesome. I've only I, I, I my experience is limited. And, you know, ever since Michelle fell off the horse in full house and got brief amnesia, don't think that's possible. Felt very real at the time. Ever since Christopher Reeves, I, I just I don't know. Horse girls at my elementary school walked on their tiptoes. Everything they had had a horse on it. It's such a rich person hobby. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, hell, I want my, I hope my kids have rich people hobbies because I want to be a rich person. But it's like a funny thing when, I don't know, when people talk about horses and like how much they mean to them and the stable and the horse they own, I just kind of laugh because there's such a barrier to entry. <laughs> like to talk about horses, like it's a life's great passion that is accessible to anybody is just kind of funny because there's just this huge oversight that like you can't even join a stable or take lessons without like you know a couple grand at least not in you know greater metro richmond virginia area last i checked but really any activity is expensive my poor parents were dragged all over for volleyball tournaments and i'm not a that was never going to take me anywhere (laughs) um but anyway that's for another day i guess i just i don't know wanted to address blair the american girl doll my podcast following is larger than my Instagram. So some of you, I don't know, there's like a lack of crossover. So sometimes when I talk about topics that turn out to be more popular than others, I feel the need to repeat myself. But apologies if you're so tired of it. And I won't go on my zucchini diatribe either, but that really was a dark spot for me in the past couple of weeks because uh, long story short, I was trying to make zucchini uh, in the air fryer. And I don't know what it is about zucchini, but every single recipe had a had a memoir written ahead of the recipe and i was in the middle of like hands and spices and oil and like every time i went back to my browser i would lose my place and i'd have to do 10 to 12 deep scrolls to get back to the recipe and i was getting so frustrated that i maybe my rant on that was borderline angry i can always tell maybe i've taken it too far whenever i receive responses that are encouraging <laughs> Like, I'm fine. I don't need to. Like, it's okay, girl. You'll get him next time. I'm like, no, this is like, I'm fine. I just, 
I, I like leave Mima out of it. Like, I don't need to know that you were like a West Virginia subsistence farmer in the hollers and you and Mima used to pick zucchinis together. Like, it's just, I don't care. I don't know who you are. Nobody reads your blog because they're a fan of yours. They read your blog because you have good SEO and, and you populate at the top for this very specific recipe. So give me the goddamn specific recipe. And for me, it's less about you know, the, the person or the blogger, because I get what they're doing. They're trying to get me to go below the fold as many times as possible to get as many eyeballs as possible on their ads so they can generate more ad revenue. I'm not an idiot, but don't bring me mind to it. Don't, don't, don't lie. Don't, don't present yourself under the guise of th this charming lore of your back home country when you're really just, it's a cash grab. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. Just be like, Hey guys, enter, 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 enter. I'm trying enter, 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 enter to make enter, 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 enter as much money as possible. Enter, 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 enter. Because this food blog takes me a lot of time and work and creators deserve to be paid for their content. I would respect that. I'd, I'd scroll. I just don't need all the text because sometimes I'm worried I'm missing key cooking instructions in the text, but I absolutely never am. And the worst part about this girl is like she literally was so repetitive and redundant she she even called herself Forrest Gump so there's like a, a level of self-awareness but she still went on to be like I like zucchini chips I like fried zucchini I like baked zucchini I like zucchini noodles I like to attach a zucchini to my face and pretend I'm gonzo I like zucchinis in the oven. And I was just like, oh my God, Bubba Gump Shrimp. Like, seriously, y you called it. You made the joke before I even could. But that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It brings me to, like, kind of the issue with the egg, right? Where there, we're in this time where the, there's such a surplus of great information that we can absorb however we want at any time and make it in, and repackage it into our own and add value to the world through all of the content we're able to consume. But in the way the digital ad model works, where it's just about getting eyeballs and getting clicks as quick as possible, and it's less of a focus sometimes on, you know, quality, it's, it's encouraging content creators to just go for the, the the cheap product for the easiest fastest way to get a view and not to actually concentrate on making an impact or adding value to the world and i just wish there was some sort of metric or means to encourage people to make things that don't have to have huge words on the thumbnail that don't have to make a scroll five million times to get to the point i just wish that our content model wasn't so grounded in trickery and i find it upsetting and I wish there was an answer, and I don't know the answer. But when I go into food recipes, it, I think it just brings me back to my frustrations as a person who tries to make content with this podcast and with Instagram. Um, and I know a lot of my place come, seems to come from bitterness. I actually don't intend to. I really am trying to observationally critique things that I do feel like are a little bit broken, that, yes... Do not work in my favor by coincidence. And maybe if they worked in my favor, I would be less harsh. But I've thought this ever since I worked in digital market research, and I felt that so much about the uh, the some somewhat the KPIs in the digital marketing realm are provided by such a fragmented number of data providers, and there's not a currency like there is with television. And the value of influencers, the value of views versus engagement versus clicks versus, you know, a, a display ad, a pre-roll, a video. It's like 
there's there's all of these it's just such it's like not that new anymore but i feel like it's still a bit uncharted in terms of how the media is priced and i've always felt like it was a bit of a bubble you know it, it, there's just too much inconsistency and there's not one i mean I, I don't know whatever um what's the next thing i had on my list stassi's mom quick vpr tangent Okay, no, no more Uno. Last night, Sheena and Lala's acting class. Oh my God, holy cringe! I I can't I, I can't and I won't. I um, I I like Lala this season, but she's almost so toned down. It's weird. Like it's kind of sad when substances make people, you know, more interesting because she's sober now, and I think she's pretty sober on the show. Um, but like, imagine if Dorinda stopped drinking, we wouldn't get taglines. Etsy wouldn't be able to, you know, sell clip magnets. It would be a tragedy. But anyway, I, it's like I want to, I, I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I know Stasi's mom was super drunk. But to grab her boyfriend's crotch, to say horrible things about your daughter, to the, the idea of your mother telling you you're going to ruin things by being yourself is so painful. And even if she was kidding, if she's been married three, four times, if she's had unhealthy relationships and she's exhibiting patterns that, you know, she's projecting on her daughter, it's like, I'm proud of Stassi. Like, I don't know. Stassi's pretty, like, smart and quick and she's evolved a lot and I think she's made strides and learned through her relationships and I think she deserves a lot more credit than her mom gives her and I could tell she was really upset and on Watch What Happens Live, like, really not talking about it. Um, I think it's pretty deep. But also a lot of people messaged me and um, I've seen on the internet that people think Stasi is pregnant. A, because of kind of her not appearing drunk on Watch What Happens Live. B, because she hasn't been drinking alcohol in her Instagram stories. C, because um, uh, Bo had a caption that basically, I don't know, it alluded to her being pregnant, but I don't think he's that stupid um, to like announce it. D, because on Watch What Happens Live, she, he was like, are you going to get married? And Andy asked her if she's going to get married and have kids. And she said, uh, maybe not necessarily in that order, but yes. And this is what people were like, interesting. Maybe she's with child. And then on the private jet for Katie's birthday last weekend to Vegas, um, in maybe one of Kristen's videos, everybody got a shot of alcohol, but Stassi had water. I don't know. And then yesterday she tweeted, like, I'm not preggers, which ugh, I hate that word. It's too casual for me. I just think it's such, it's, it, it deserves way more credit than that word that feels almost a, a jokey slang for a casual state of being that is so not casual whatsoever. Like, yeah, I'm preggers. Like, no, it deserves, you are gestating. That's what I'm going to tell people. I'm gestating. I am baking a human. Like, please for the love of god don't be like oh you knocked her up like ugh, people are the worst um <laughs> i i don't or like i think i've talked about this before but i hate when people like i don't know somebody asks a couple if they're pregnant and they're like oh we're trying but having fun in the process not not twink wink like okay didn't need to hear that also don't ask people when they're having kids that's incredibly rude <laughs> unless they're your close friends but it's it's a question that like you get to an age where it's 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 imminent and all of a sudden you're like any answer i give you you're not going to be happy with or like i don't know i know the answer you want to hear and any answer i give you that's not like i'm having kids tomorrow 
I'm going to feel the need to justify, especially if you have kids. And then if I try to justify it, I might offend you because you're a mom. And I just, it's a conversation we don't need to be having. Um, anywho, what's the next thing? Okay. So now real quick, not real quick. This is not going to be quick. It never is. What am I talking about? I do want to address uh, one Taylor Swift and what's been going on. Oh, real fast. I did. My next thing was Chris Pratt. It's kind of over now. Um, he got engaged to Catherine Schwarzenegger and the caption was like to announce it. A, he hasn't been divorced for even a year. Right. And the caption was about how they're engaged and they're going to live boldly together in faith. And I'm like, Oh no, is she a virgin? And like, he just wants to have sex with her. I know that's so bad, but sometimes when very religious people get married early, I just am fearful that it's, it's about the physical intimacy that they're withholding. And I just, life is too long to, to roll the dice like that. It, it, I just, I, I don't, un, it's hard for me to understand. Um, but, you know, I, if you had asked me how I felt about that when I was younger and was everything I said was a regurgitation of what I was told was the truth in church camp, I might have, you know, said the opposite. Um, but I am concerned because he was on something called the David Diet. Nope, the Daniel Diet. The Daniel Diet is a 20-day fast, not a diet, a fast, where, did I say 20-day or is it 21? I don't know. I hate, I hate when people, like, half know what they're talking about. It's pretty sure it's 21 days. Um, Daniel, of, of, of the, the Old Testament, of, of the Bible Daniels, um, he no longer wanted to have access to royal food and wine. Uh, to be in a state of being that he felt would make him closer to God. Uh, so therefore, he gave up access to basic human physiological needs and sustenance. And people do that this day and age, which I, I need to remind them that a lot of those stories, I'm sure happened, but all literature is slightly exaggerated. I'm not saying the Bible's not true. I'm just saying that Sometimes stories are told to serve as an example that are me a metaphor for how to behave. Jonah and the big fish. Are we all in agreement that that didn't happen? But that's like, it's, a, it's like a fable designed to teach us a lesson about disobeying God, being God-fearing, having to spend three days in a fish or whale as a result, and then being literally thrown up to be reminded of God's forgiveness, maybe. Um, I haven't brushed up on my Bible stories in a long time. But also, aren't they called Bible stories because they're stories? I don't know. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. But I, I'm pretty sure we can all agree about the whale. If, God, that is neither here nor there. Um, but point being, I just, the Daniel diet might not translate to this day and age and what humans, you know, basic needs are. And I am, I am, I for one am deeply concerned that he is hallucinating, that he is not of, of sound mind, that if I, if somebody who is literally starving and hangry proposed to me and like we couldn't even celebrate with dinner, I'd be like hard pass. I, if there wasn't champagne or if I was the only one drinking champagne, the other person was like, 
you know, convulsing and sweating and like starving, but in the name of, of Daniel, I mean, it, let's at least, you know, pick, pick a prophet, pick, pick a, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, let's pick a gospel, pick a guy. I don't know who Daniel is. I'm going to get in trouble again. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, go, go on keto. Atkins. I don't know. Intermittent fast. There's, there's a lot you can be doing that doesn't require you to give up food for 21 days and make incredibly risky life decisions. And I just cannot, I cannot imagine Catherine being thrilled with, you know, him, him making a commitment to her whilst being more starving than Haley Steinfeld. <laughs> I like that song. More, who's a starving character? Not in a sad way, though. More starving than Primrose Everdeen, you know? She just, like, ate stale bread. Things were, things were tough for Primrose. I didn't like the Hunger Games, guys. I hope that doesn't make you guys not like me. I thought it was going to be as good as Twilight, and it wasn't. I'm not a fan. I also, I'm just not attracted to PETA, and I do like Liam Hemsworth, and congrats to him and Miley. Um, but I just did not identify with that franchise. I read the first two, and I only saw the first one. The other movies just didn't interest me, but, you know, good for J-Law. Anyway, moving on. Taylor Swift. Okay, a couple things I want to point out. One... She posted a photo that said 2019. She was with Cassie David and Selena Gomez. Cassie David is Larry David's daughter of Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld fame. Cassie David used to date Pete Davidson, who people are not sure, but they broke up very... Basically, he, Pete got with Ariana very soon after their breakup, and they dated for two years. And Cassie went through a lot with him and kind of his diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. And I gather she was like a real rock for him as he kind of, you know, dealt with the ebbs and flows of mental illness. And he, she, they seemed to be a really good match. She went on a safari when Pete got with Ariana, posted a, uh, what I think is funny photo, like a month later that was like, been in Africa, what did I miss? And I was like, oh my God, are you Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton? You're so funny. I really like her. Um, she has a web series called 86 that's very cute and funny. And it's about getting through a breakup and one of the first things that got her on the map is she has the story of um how rita wilson talked to her after which is so funny like to drop like tom hanks wife helped me get through my first heartache um anyways all of her youtube material is about getting over a breakup and like that's kind of the source of her humor so i thought that was interesting also interesting is that Cassie taylor and selena are all loosely related to scooter braun because all three are tied to, or have been allegedly tied to, three of Scooter's clients that got engaged or married in the last year that they were once, or allegedly once, romantically involved with. Selena and Justin. Justin married Haley. Uh, Cassie dated Pete Davidson, who was obviously engaged to Ariana Grande, who Scooter introduced him to. And Taylor Swift, of course, who is, has allegedly been tied to Carly Kloss. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you know my feelings on that. If you aren't caught up and don't understand why on earth I would think the entire Reputation album is about Carly Kloss and not about a man, listen to episode seven of my podcast that doesn't really go in depth, but kind of sets the, um, uh, the baseline for Kaler theories. But then on Patreon, I go much deeper. I'm also going to do a Patreon about Swift Grom, Taylor Swift and Diana Agron, which is so fascinating. And we so weren't aware of it when it was happening. Um, but, uh, and maybe the episode is called this. These are not my Tennessee values, but anyway, the, the theory 
of of many professional publications and you know conspiracy theorists like myself just kidding i'm not a conspiracy theorist because i don't think this is a conspiracy it's it's like not about outing her it's about like she's the the theory is she's telling us her truth and we're choosing to project a heteronormative narrative on it and we're choosing to assume we know that her songs like she says are as simple to tie back to a person as a paternity test she says all of the all of the guessing about the men these songs are about will be wrong. Why? Because they're not about men. She, I, I mean, I'm not even going to get started. You guys know how I feel about this. Um, anyways, here is my prediction for Taylor Swift 7. Well, okay, let's backtrack for a second. Because to review, what I've deduced from Reddit, Tumblr, and the like about Taylor Swift, because as we've talked about, she doesn't build linear narrative. She drops... She, she draws treasure maps and she drops breadcrumbs and you know call me gretel because i will just scoop these breadcrumbs up all day until i have something that resembles a loaf um okay so 2019 is the 13th year of taylor swift's career one of the only fun facts she gave about the rep tour on her instagram story was that there are 103 instruments that's extremely specific why is that the only thing she said Okay, and then on her calendar for 2019, the first date ma marked with a wax seal is April 13th, which just happens to be the 103rd day of the year. And then the only other day there's a wax seal on a number other than 13 is October 3rd, 2019, otherwise known as 10-3, aka 103. So now we've seen this number three times. 103 instruments. April 13th is the 103rd day of the year. October 13th is 10 3 october 3rd i mean um it's also worth noting that the wax seals are i think going to be a thing because she just started she started selling wax seal merch like necklaces and stuff i don't know what that means side note this is kind of feels unrelated but i'm also like what are the odds carly did 118 things in 2018 video on new year's and her wedding was number 103 now she showed footage from her wedding and it looked like a real wedding but still when she's crying to him, his, Josh, his arms are crossed. Like, you have to watch his body language. It's the whole... And even the footage still, to me, looks like a set. Not saying it's not real, but uh, still, there's a reason why they got married fast and a reason why it was on a Thursday and why it was so secretive and why they went from completely private to being, like, so weirdly open about the marriage. And there's just... It's just never going to sit right with me. But anyways, what are the odds of it being 103? Um, so also, as I mentioned, the wax seal on their 2019 calendar, the first one is April 13th, 103rd day of the year, which is also National Scrabble Day, <laughs> which sounds insane. But she posted, uh, like right after Carly got married when she was in Australia, a weird series of photos that were of her playing Scrabble with her mom. One photo was her playing Scrabble that showed some letters. One was a photo of another angle of her playing Scrabble that showed her shirt. And then one was a picture of uh, Snapdragons. Um, the first photo where you can see her turning around, the, mind you, the caption is, let the games begin. Um, begin in all caps. Don't know if that's significant. But then the letters B-I-O-I-E are on her Scrabble ledge. And all of those points add up to seven. So seventh album, again, numbers. 
And then the second photo is her wearing a shirt from, um, what is it, Brandy? Is it Melville? It's uh, it's kind of like a, a European Forever 21, I think. Um, I've been in the store before, but, and I've only been in Europe, so maybe that's why I think that. And it's probably, like, literally hot topic, and I don't even know it. But anyway, it's a shirt that when, you when you know, I follow, like, people that um, will break down Taylor's uh, fashion. I, I think it's interesting how she is just so not um, transparent about her styling or glam. Like you just never hear Taylor talk about hair, makeup or clothes. Um, but anyway, it's a shirt. It's called forget me not, I guess the flowers of forget me not, but it's a brandy, whatever, forget me not shirt. So it's like, okay, that nothing's a coincidence. Um, so with Scrabble letters adding up to seven, Tia seven's coming. I put that on Instagram. People are like, Whoa, this is aggressive. Um, <laughs> but again, I, I, I'm not, finding these i'm putting them together um and then the next day she has a clean 103 tweets on her twitter since she blacked out her um what's it called her thing from uh, her social media for reputation so i'm like okay she's this is this is a thing don't know what it means yet and the second you start to think that taylor swift is not incredibly calculated with her numbers let me just remind you that when she wrote This Is What You Came For, that Calvin Harris and Rihanna released. She used a pseudonym, Niels Soberg, N-I-L-S space S-J-O-B-E-R-G. If you are Swedish, I'm so sorry if I'm botching that. I do see an umlaut. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I was doing a bit of a dive in terms of, I don't know. I was just like, did anyone ever figure out the significance of that? Because there is a guy named N Niels Soberg or whatever that is alive right now. And he's like, Oh, I'm flattered. It's after me. I'm like, there's no way she just named him after a random guy. So then I look up the people throughout time who have been named this and lo and behold, there is a Nils Soberg that was, that died on March 13th, her favorite number 13, 1822, eight plus one plus two plus two is what? 13. And not only that, but when I looked at the date further, because following Taylor Swift has taught me to look into the, these things. He died on the 13th. He died in 1822, which equals 13. He lived for 67 years, three months, and 10 days. Six plus seven is 13. Three plus 10 is 13. She thinks of everything. And I swear to God, this is, she probably looked up people in history that were born on the 13th and died in like numbers of that start with 18 or 19 and add up to 13. Like that's just what she does. Um, but also, he was a Swedish poet who, like, went off on his own when he was 14, and so did she, so I, I can draw parallels all the live long day. Okay, looping back real fast. The reason I mentioned Cassie, Selena, and Taylor's picture, she said, she called it 20 wine teen. And I kind of thought, okay, she's with Cassie and Selena, who have endured heart-wrenching breakups. 20 wine teen suggests you drink wine. You're drinking a lot of wine this year, and I think that, like, you know, you tend to drink a lot of wine and hang out with your friends and commiserate when you're going through a breakup. And also, Todrick Hall, her one of her best friends, got a tattoo of a paper airplane. And Taylor famously wore a paper airplane necklace that was supposed to be Harry Styles. Who the hell knows? I don't really think they dated. But in her Out of the Woods song, which is a very in-the-closet song, uh, it's, the, it's two paper airplanes flying is the lyric. And when somebody asked Tajik, what's the significance of the paper airplane? He was like, it's about, you know, breaking free and youth and da da da. And then he also did a video, um, Instagram video, where 
he was like telling people to sign up for his cameo. And at the end, he was kind of like, oh, I can do it for a birthday or for a special occasion or, you know, to break up with someone and then like cuts off the video. And I'm like, okay, either he's breaking up with somebody or I don't know. I just feel like things, people are hinting at things and I'm not like totally sure what it is or what it means. But I do think that there's, I thought that maybe her and Joe were on the cut, were going to announce a breakup or on the cusp of a breakup. Then I was like, oh, the Oscars haven't happened yet. I think that she's going to, she and he are going to get their press that they need out of the Oscars. Um, Cause like, I don't know. It's, I don't know, whatever. Um, so I don't really have a solid theory on that. I just think it's interesting and telling that she is hanging out with Cassie David. Um, who also has like openly made fun of Taylor Swift a lot, which gives me hope, you know? <laughs> so anyway, looping back. Okay. The little mermaid, which I think I talked about this more so on Patreon, but Taylor's New Year's Eve party. She dresses the Little Mermaid. In her rep photo shoot, she's wearing, uh, I think it might be a McQueen jacket. Actually, no, I think it's Mark Jacobs. But anyway, that Mark Jacobs jacket had an applique of a mermaid on it, which I didn't care notice at the time. But I don't know that they all have that. I should probably check on that first. Um, but the first thing I noticed about The Little Mermaid is that it came out on November 13th, 1989. We all obviously know she was born in 1989, and it just so happens that it takes place. It took place on the 13th, which is very interesting. So then, of course, I'm like, okay, there's something here. Again, not everything is planned. And I'm like, okay, what about The Little Mermaid beyond the release date? Maybe she disliked it. What about mermaids? Blah, blah, blah. I do a dive into Hans Christian Andersen, who, like, I'm a big fan of. Um, I mean, he, he is the original fairy tale writer. Um, and I, I cannot look away from the glaring representation of Hans Christian, Hans Christian Andersen and the themes of The Little Mermaid. I can't even believe people aren't, even, aren't looking into this. There, there are th like theses written about the biromantic or bisexual tones in The Little Mermaid. Uh, apparently... Hans Christian Andersen is widely known to be bisexual based on the letters that were found and confirmed that he wrote to both men and women. Though he was largely considered to be celibate for a lot of his life, if not the whole thing. But, you know, kind of unusual that a uh, writer of fairy tales, some might call them love stories, some might say, Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone, marry me Juliet. Uh, um, I, I, they know it's Shakespeare, obviously, but he's a writer of fairy tales that's semi-secretly bisexual that writes a story called The Little Mermaid that is accepted by scholars to be a representation of his feelings for this man named Edward. And an important thing to note is that when you think of The Little Mermaid, you think of the Disney version. The Disney version is a major departure from Hans Christian Andersen's version. His is somewhat of a morbid tale about a mermaid who makes a diabolical deal with a sea witch and suffers by her tongue being cut out, her tail being lost, all because she's obsessed with this prince when she gets a taste of an alternate world. But in, in, in ultimately in Hans, I'm just going to call him Hans, his name's way too long. Um, in Hans's version, the prince fails to recognize the, her sacrifice. And at first, the tale was that she just dies, but then they had her turn into sea foam to like kind of make it a little bit spiritual um for the advice of other writers at, in his time um but this one paper i was reading said 
I, I'll just read it to you. I don't want to paraphrase. Um, this fairy tale is important in more than one way. Not only is it one of Hans Christian Andersen's first self-invented tales, but it is also a rather personal story for the author. As Professor Johannes Norgard Fransen, the director of the Hans Christian Andersen Center, says, he knew when writing it that it meant something special to him. The Little Mermaid was written next to, or perhaps even as a love letter to Edward Collin. Upon hearing of Collin's engagement to a young woman, Anderson proclaimed his love to Colin, telling him, I long for you as though you were a beautiful girl. I don't know. There's a word there that I'm not going to botch. Um, Edward Colin turned Anderson down, disgusted. Anderson then wrote The Little Mermaid and sent it to Colin. He intertwined words and sentences from his love letters to Colin in the story. And while working on The Little Mermaid, Hans Christian Anderson confided to a friend that writing this fairy tale had given him a new kind of experience. I suffer with my characters, I share their moods, whether good or bad, and I can be nice or nasty according to the scene on which I happen to be working. Perhaps partially due to this deep compassion for his characters, Little Mermaid became Anderson's breakthrough, made him an international star and a writer of fairy tales. I draw so many parallels between that and what Taylor says, like, these songs were once about my life, now they're about yours. She very much uh, suggests that the songs are grounded in her experiences or people around them, but as with any art, there's a level of ambiguity, exaggeration, hyperbole, where you can't take everything so literally. And I think that's where a lot of Swifties go wrong. It's like, but she says he, she uses pronouns. Well, all of Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tales were heteronormative because it's about rooting them in your own experience, but then the reader supplies their own magic, and that's what makes the fairy tale. We all have our own projection of how we see these tales, and they're kind of good stories, but also slightly hollow and a shell of a story that we can fill in a lot of details, especially, you know, after the kiss, after the happily ever after. Let's not forget a little song in Little Mermaid called Kiss the Girl. Um, Just a total side note. But then, honestly, I was just reading more about this, and I just think it's so interesting. Another writer says... The mythic irony appears in the price paid in the form of the continuous pain at each step the Little Mermaid takes, and in the loss of her voice, a tragic sense of loss for a siren for whom song defines identity. For whom song defines identity. The loss of her voice. I mean, gosh. She retains the mermaid grace and beauty that so attracts the prince to love her as a sister, but not enough to distract him. There's a double irony now at play since her sacrifice allows her to be near the object of her desire, but renders her unable to completely close the distance between them. At the same time, the prince is unable to see her for who she really is, his rescuer whom he seeks in love. Anyways, you must like me for me. (laughs) That's not the only, I was just thinking about that. Anyways, I'm not sure if people are following. There's just a lot of, well, A, I'm reading this from a perspective of people that have written papers about how this is the suppressed narrative of a bisexual person, whereas they cannot be together because she is a mermaid and he is a person. Bottom line, making them fundamentally different in ways where they could never be together. If only she was human is interesting because the sea witch in the Hans version is very much like you're giving up everything your the loss of your voice the the you know having to deal with the legs that are like knives to walk on that's what they say it like it's not worth it because she self-identifies with this voice and just kind of like taylor's like i don't know she has so many lyrics that 
in refutation that suggests there's a consequence or a major problem the world would have with her relationship that just doesn't line up for Joe. Not only are they not best friends, I don't want you like a best friend, but that's beside the point. But things like, um, what what is like, oh, people started talking, putting us through our paces. I know there was no one in the world who could take it. Like, why wouldn't the world be able to take your relationship? I loved you in spite of deep fears that the world would divide us. Like, the, these, like, picture of your face in an invisible locket. Like, everyone thinks that they know us. They know nothing about us. I mean, everything is just, like, secret, 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 illusionist, magician. Uh, like, nobody knows. And I just feel like there's so many parallels in her feeling like there's so much risk involved with her being more, well, it's like she in trying to be part of the world she wants to be a part of, she thinks she has to lose her voice or like she'll be rejected as a singer for some reason. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like really stretching here, but I, I don't know. I, the symbolism kind of, I don't know. It doesn't always match up, but I think, well, okay. One more excerpt. Sorry. I feel like I'm reading you so many excerpts, but I don't, I'm not explaining it well, but when I read these analyses, there's just too many parallels. It's kind of like, all of the coincidences she has with, you know, the hints she drops in the, her song lyrics. It, it, it's like, at what point does a coincidence become a pattern? You know, it's, it's hard to discern. But again, it's like, she sensed there's a reason behind it. There is a reason behind Little Mermaid. So I'm not crazy to look into the original Little Mermaid because her going by the Disney one would be too obvious. I, I mean this lovingly. It's a, it's a more dense narrative. It, it's very, it's just overly intuitive she she's too crafty to have an obvious joe eric wants to get her out of under the sea and have him be part of our world where we can marry and be in love as usual and like you know sail off into the sunset but you'll notice that when ariel and eric ride off into the sunset triton um casts a giant rainbow over them as they ride off just saying so basically in han's version what the scholars at the Hans Christian Andersen Institute say is that Edward Cullen, the person he loved, is Eric the Prince, and he, Hans, is the mermaid who wants to be part of his world and would sacrifice everything only to have the prince, Eric, marry somebody else. So think of the prince or Eric as somebody she's dated could be allegedly Carly. It could be allegedly another friend. Uh, she's made it very clear that we know nothing about her life and that she, we only know the parts of her she's cho chosen to share, which are very powerful words, as I'll always mention. Um, this is all over the place. I'm so sorry. The, uh, <coughs> sorry, my God. Another quote I screenshotted is that from this article, it says, the prince is betrothed to another princess. Now remember prince being the person she tailors in love with and other princess being whoever that person marries um the prince is betrothed to another princess as a result of family politics hello kushner family hello maybe carly Kloss's family i don't know maybe it's just like i don't know i fully believe too that you could go through a phase but not necessarily like uh, want to marry a woman like uh, kind of where depending on where you are on the spectrum and like one person's so in love and like ready to do the damn thing and you're kind of like bowing out and like oh no this was just kind of a fling we're young we're fun with the new romantics 
I don't know, guys. I'm just making stuff up at this point. Um, her loss of voice. I, I can see this going two ways in terms of what that would represent. One, this reputation era, she stopped doing media. Like, she literally forwent her voice. She doesn't do anything on the side. She doesn't... I mean, she's been so silent. She won't comment on anything. And I don't know if that has to do with it or if it's more so a function of either sacrificing... There will be career sacrifices should people not respond well or if her management thinks people won't respond well. I don't think it comes from a homophobic place. I think it comes from a her fans feeling lied to place where the narrative of who these songs are about just went on for so long, never being confirmed or denied. And I think she's covered her tracks pretty well because she'll do things with um, her like media boyfriend and she'll throw in throw lines into songs that I think she tosses in at the last minute when she gets spooked about it being too revealing. The perfect example is Dress. Um, the entire song, Our Secret Moments in a Crowded Room, they got no idea about me and you. Everyone thinks that they know us, but they know nothing about us. I don't want you like a best friend. The entire thing is about a secret romance that like, people think they know, no idea. Her talking about wanting a best friend as something different and then at the very last minute, she's like, back when you met me, your buzz cut, my hair bleached. Even in when my worst times, you see the best in me. And it's like that the, the song is so well written and it's so it's so poetic and it's, it's very it's very prosy. And to go in with such like a literal, I don't know, a literal allusion to her Met Ball, her hair was bleached, to him being that that was his first Met Ball. Um, but also that's not when they met. <laughs> they alleged they, they apparently met at this 1975 concert months later. And like, she was with Calvin at the time. And then she went, went and moved right to Tom. So it's not like he was even in the realm of her desire at that met ball era. This was like her crazy overexposure of uh, Tay America, Tom Hiddleston wearing the IHRTS shirt, them gallivanting around Rome wearing a Reformation dress, which is one of Carly and her husband Josh's investments, I might add. Um, and it was just like such a charade that, I, like, I don't know, just to put frame in people's minds when that Met Ball was. So it's like, ha to have all of these metaphors and then to just to go right to something so literal, it's just an example of, I think, her tossing in references to two situations. So no matter what she does, it tracks and she can say it's about a guy. She could say it's about a girl. And I know people are going to DM me who've listened to my podcast before and be like, wait, media boyfriends. Do you really think people do that? That's insane. Literally Calvin Harris admitted to it on Twitter by essentially calling her his beard or him, her beard. And Kelly Cuoco admitted that her and Henry Cavill were fake. Barbara Walters had a fake relationship. I, it's it's a Barbara. It, <laughs> I love how I'm like the, the, yeah. One one of these things is not like the other. Um, they're these are a thing. They're they are. They really are. And it it's it seems crazy, but there is a lot of mutual gain. And they might actually date and be into each other, but they're set up by their management, and a lot of it has a contract basis, which is crazy. But I don't think the pronouns are worth getting hung up on because, A, she changes them all the time. Like, there's a lot of videos of her saying that she never loved me. There's a very clear video of her singing You Were In Love, which is a bonus track from 1989, which 
I think she left off because she said part of the chorus on an Instagram caption with Carly and her running, as I mentioned so many times. It said on the way home, and this was before 1989 came out. By the time it came out, people, even if she deleted it, were going to be able to trace it back to that. So I think she left it on the bonus album because, like, I don't know, majority of people wouldn't be that familiar with it. But, like, her best songs, like, You Were In Love is so good and New Romantics is so good. That could have been a lead single, and it's a bonus track. But, again, I think it's because she says, we show off our different scarlet letters. Trust me, mine is better. Well, what do you think hers is? You know, like how like it's uh, th- these are the things I can't unhear, unsee. And she's like, we switch sides like a record t- record changer. The rumors are terrible and cruel, but honey, most of them are true. The new romantics, they do whatever they want, whatever side they want. Very modern, very progressive, very totally cool. And I think a lot of I, I just that's what's hard. It's like I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I would never ever in my life out somebody i didn't think wanted to be outed but there's there's way too much evidence she's put out there that she wants us to infer that i just it can't unsee it anymore and i'm i always go back and forth because like if you've never heard me talk about this you're probably so lost but i slowly get more comfortable over time talking about it because not only do major publications like us weeklies of the world have like written about this buzzfeed writes about it so I think it's like a slightly more kosher than a typical situation where somebody like really might be hiding. It's it's certainly an interpretation of her music, which only helps her sell more music. But when you put on a rainbow dress and jacket and say reputation out now, and when you give a speech at the Chicago concert that I'm at and saying, I really respect people who have the courage to come out despite fears of how the people around you will react like she gave this gorgeous pride speech that was so moving, but it was so like emotional and it was so like about having the courage to come out. Like it wasn't about equality. It was about coming out. It was so interesting. Um, anyways, I, I, there's just, there's so many things. Um, but I guess the whole point of this was to say that to recap the TS seven clues I've picked up so far, uh, loop it back to her obsession with the number 13. I've never heard anybody uh, do the Nils Soberg, Soberg math of all of his dates matching up so well to 13, and I think we have our answer that it's something deeper. I do think the Hans Christian Andersen theme is worth, I don't know, it, it was worth calling out because as a great writer of fairy tales whose origins are often overshadowed by the romance and glossing over that Disney does, I think it's good to pay homage to the original content creator, uh, much like I'm doing um, with my recipe blogs. But anyway, I could go on and on. I'll quit while I'm ahead. Um, I hope I don't sound crazy. I don't know. I just don't really sleep. Like, I don't want you guys thinking that I spend all day researching these and I don't do actual work because then people that order products from me would be like, okay, like... Hop to it. Um, don't waste all your time. But I screenshot everything on Daily Mail. They're really late at night or early in the morning. I'll do like an upload right when I wake up and then maybe at lunch. Unless something like really big happens or I'm in like a waiting room or something. Um, but yeah, it's like in my pursuit of a pop cultural story, I actually end up learning a lot, which I really enjoy. I, di- I didn't know anything about Hans Christian Andersen. I didn't know... The uh, arbiter of the little match girl, my least favorite Christmas story. I I didn't know his backstory, but knowing he was complicated and he had a lot of darkness associated with his uh, sexual affiliation not being accepted in the time, 
him trying to go after both genders and really being met with nobody that was interested in him and his self-conscious borderline celibate existence as a result of feeling such rejection i just i felt for him and i was like how interesting to write fairy tales and write stories about love that are as opposed to a drama a tragedy other types of literature available at the time were, were meant to invoke a sense of dreaming when he was the one not able to live those narratives but i guess perhaps some of the best art comes from the place you want to be and less about the place you are um I just am umming a lot and I'm liking a lot. Sorry, I don't, and I'm not going to have time to edit this. Because my computer broke today and I had to go buy a new computer and, and I'm on like an old desktop recording this podcast. It's, I'm using a mouse to me feels like I'm on MS-DOS. I'm like transported back to using a car phone and having like clunky things. I do not like a mouse. I want a touchpad. Can't I buy a touchpad mouse? It's much easier for design work. I got to find one on ebay or like hopefully in a dumpster because mama doesn't have any more money this week because <laughs> i just bought a really expensive computer uh, not knowing i needed to i'm just i don't know not here for it i obviously i can expense it it's like a business thing but still january is abysmal as far as like etsy goes so we'll be figuring something out i actually am going to come out with some new um products that i'm testing out that are just what i see to be a bit of a, a gap and not they're not doormats, um, but it is kind of pop culture related. And I'm trying to just merge my worlds here. It's like I have the infrastructure and the ability to run an e-commerce store. Uh, the mats are too saturated at this point, and it's too hard to keep up with policing copycats. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I, I'll still do it, but it's not my sole focus. And I want to, like, combine all these disjointed worlds. And I feel like being having the ability to be nimble and quickly make products adjacent to topical and current pop culture things that bigger companies don't have the speed or insight to do i feel like that's a real missed opportunity so i'm gonna brainstorm uh put up some listings and show you guys on instagram and uh it would mean the world if you wanted to support me in any capacity um whether it's patreon.com slash be there and five for bonus episodes typically Lately, it's I'll just post the episode earlier than the regular iTunes gets it as kind of a perk. The bonus apps are more like twice a month. Once I get like, if I can get up to, you know, 250 patrons, if, I mean, at 500, it'll, I would like take it on full time because that, that's like a great substantial funding for the podcast at a dollar a person. Some of you, God bless you, donate five. Um, but for now, it's about two a month and that's honestly all I can do. And I, I hope you think your dollar is worth it. It's, it's not even a cup of coffee. I hate when people are like, it's just a cup of coffee. I'm like, yeah, but like you sound it's so salesy. It's like for the price, of, you could say that about anything. It's like uh, for the price of a, a small mid range off brand led TV for four low payments of 49 95, you could also get my coaching program. And I'm kind of like, what are you talking about? The, the the opportunity cost is not there, and I hate when people say a cup of coffee. It's like no, it's it's it doesn't work like that anymore. Unless you really just get black coffee, which my husband does, but I don't really know many people that just go get black coffees at Starbucks. It's uh, you know, compare it to my flat whites, and then I'll understand. I love a flat white. Flat, it, it was it's truly a welcome addition to the Starbucks portfolio, and um, my go to Starbucks order albeit a little fatty, but I don't know, ever since like 
I did keto before my wedding, which is now so popular, and I'm like a little annoyed. It was, I kind of felt like it was something I have because it was the, uh, the only diet I've ever liked in my life because I was full and I ate good stuff and I could eat ranch and drink wine. Um, it made me understand like the human body differently than I kind of perceived it from my hyper uh, consumer packaged goods driven concept that was simply given to me to drive further revenue for these businesses and not out for my well-being but when i understood more about fat i was like screw skim screw soy can of almond coconut i'm into with the vanilla bean coconut milk latte but as it relates to whole milk i'm cool i'm fine i don't think it's making a big difference in my life and i'd rather have the full fats the real stuff and enjoy my day be a little bit more full take on the extra cows i think there's um it's just you know you got to do what's best for you that's that that creates so much joy for me that i couldn't possibly give it up but anyway guys you don't want to hear about that i i've had people like submit questions about diet and exercise and i'm like i i truly have i want to only use this platform for areas in which i think that i can add value or i have a unique perspective or you know, you, you leave learning something, but like, I can't talk about things I know nothing about. And that I'm just not exactly a beacon for wellness. I don't actually think I take that great care of myself, which is probably a problem. Um, I think that when I became self-employed and a lot more stressed, uh, and uh, filled with guilt all the time, if I'm not getting something done or working towards something or having something to prove to myself, probably, um, I don't know. It's just like I, 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 I string together every day, every minute, every hour. I can't really plan. I never know how I'm going to feel. It's so up and down. It's so intense. And I just, it, a lot of people release stress with exercise. And unfortunately for me, the thought of having to go exercise would stress me out double. And then my entire life would be miserable. But as I've said before, I... I don't like when people are like, oh, I don't work out and I eat burgers. Um, but like I, I, I'll do yoga. I'm active. I walk everywhere. I don't have a car. I'm literally always carrying 50 pounds of like rugs or whatever out with the dog. But other than that, like I just exercise saps me of more joy than it does give me a return at any point in time. Like to tighten up and have abs like that'd be cool two days a year but to be miserable for 363 days a year just so that one time somebody sees me in a bathing suit i feel confident it's like screw that i'll just put on a one-piece dunk myself in self-tanner put on my cover-up run into the water run right back into my cover-up and it's not because i'm you know have horrible body image issues it's like some people just don't like to be super unclothed like I, 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 like I've said, I, I, my best self in a turtleneck, my worst self in shorts. I just, I like layers. I like limb coverage. It's who I am. I, I like dark, I like cloudy days. I like inclement weather. I'm not like negative and sad and vampire-y. I just like, I like to be cozy, compressed and like, I'm just not, you know, bright, sunshiny, open skin. It's just not my vibe. Never has been, never will be. But I totally understand if you're active, if you live in a place where you're always out in the sun, if, if, if you, to some people that, that is valuable just to like be super in shape and you release stress that way. And like, I totally understand it. No shame in anyone's game. Um, I just, I don't know. I've never had luck if I'm trying to get healthier, focusing a ton on 
the exercise piece, especially things that are hypercardio, like the soul cycles of the world. I don't think it's uh, diversifies your muscle usage enough to see the results you'd probably need. I think it's just like a lot of cardio. Um, and I'd rather weight lift and do yoga if I am in a phase where I want to work out. If I'm not in a phase, I will just be a little bit more careful about what I eat. And when I say that, I mean, I just cut out carbs and sugar as much as I can, but enjoy all the meat and fat and stuff I want in the world because I enjoy like a ketogenic style diet. So to answer your question, that's my philosophy. Do what brings you joy. Do less of what saps you of joy. Don't live your life, the majority of your life for the minority of your days. And everyone's body chemistry is different. So if yours responds better to exercise or cardio, do that. If yours isn't responding to cardio and you've been going to these classes and paying 40 bucks a pop for years now, try something different. I, I think that uh, we drive ourselves into the ground sometimes um, trying to make exercise remotely enjoyable when I don't always think it has the best result and maybe the style of it benefits the business more than it does the patrons. Not that I am targeting any business in particular or have any opinions about this because it is something people love and that I will get in big trouble for talking negatively about. Um, but I'm sure you can infer what I'm talking about. Anyway, so that's my thoughts. Uh, I, and it's like an area where people like I, it's so uncomfortable to talk about and like body image is, is, is touchy and it's personal. And I do think it's important to get to a place where you feel good and feeling good has a little bit to do with how you actually look and a whole lot to do with uh, being easier on yourself, realizing what actually makes you valuable as a person and releasing some of the inner conflict and demons you may have from things other people have said to you over time, past relationships, the way somebody in your family might view body image. Like there, we, Our subconscious picks up so many themes from other people, even if it's not actively recognized in our frontal lobe. And I think that it, it, it it's just like any other muscle. You have to really kind of retrain your brain and the environment you're in with the experiences you've had and in frame, try to reframe your thinking. And it's, it's not something that can magically happen overnight. Like you really do have to practice like self care and affirmation and I, I, I don't know. I, I, for me, I've just like journaled a lot and focused on people, places, things that make me feel good and have shifted my idea of what's valuable in the world. I've talked about before how like I used to care so much about like being quote unquote hot. Like that's like, it's like the most offensive thing somebody could call me right now. I'm like, there's like all these things I've tried to do in life. And if that was the one thing somebody pointed out, I'd be like, screw you. Like, that's just so not interesting to the world. There's so much more to life than being hot. And for the people that live their life to just be hot, I think that they're met with a great resistance for aging, which everyone, every single person goes through. And to fight it and to feel so negative about getting older is just going to further age you. I, I just would, I don't know. I think people that come into their own, accept the, the mixture of their lifestyle combined with the hand that they're dealt and do the best that for them that makes them feel good and embrace the fact that it's not always going to be in the image of other people, but it's the best version of you that you're able to do at that time because we can't always be operating at 100%. Things happen. We got to go easy on ourselves sometimes. And I just, you know, I don't know. Those are my two cents. I, I just 
I wish I could like diagnose why we all are so self-conscious and like I am too, but I'm just at the point now where it just affects me less, I guess is, is my point. It, it used to be so consuming when I was younger. And I think that having accomplished other things that have made me so much more proud than getting a boyfriend or being called pretty, which seemed like guardrails for success in my youth. The, the other things have proven to be so much more meaningful that focusing on them has been a better use of my energy. And that's honestly how I've gotten past a lot of it, even though I do tend to fluctuate a ton. And like, you know, I have a lot of issues with going through happy and sad periods. And anyway, so I don't even know what I'm talking about now. But toward the end of the podcast, I feel like I'll always do kind of a random <laughs> conversation about uh, a particular topic. And I guess this is mine today. So no matter who you are, where you're from, what you did, as, as long as you love this podcast, I love you too. And you should feel great about yourself, JK. I love you if you don't like it. Um, but just remind yourself, you're awesome. You're doing the best you can. It's the dead of winter. It's a tough, tough time. Not only temperature-wise, but just in terms of the late January, February period is difficult because there's an energy that comes with a new year, the first two weeks in January, you set goals and resolutions and you kind of get in a groove and you really think you're going to change. You fall back into your old habits. There's a lot of self-loathing involved and then you get into February and you're the exact same person and it can be like a pit of despair. Uh, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I've done that many times. That's why I don't really seek resolve in the way I used to. I seek constant small pieces of improvement that are logged by journaling or writing of some form so I can check my progress and have those kind of KPIs with my life. Whereas um, I'm just not a person that's sweeping resolutions. It doesn't work for me. Like it, it's that kind of self-accountability like isn't a thing for me. Um, but I do enjoy small disparate changes over time. That way the whole year you can be met with the delight of feeling brand new. Every day is another chance to be brand new. To quote one Taylor Swift, who, by the way, I love and I am a fan of. And people are always like, are you a fan or a hater? I'm not a hater at all. I'm like the biggest fan of the world. I, and I, anal I analyze these, uh, these songs and her life and her PR game so much because I am such a fan. But the older I got, I was just like, this isn't like this isn't adding up. I'm not I can't just believe the easy media narrative anymore. Like she's a smart person. She's a complicated person. She's a grown woman. And to think of how different I was at 18 when she first started writing songs even to 22 when red came out i mean think about yourself 22 to 30 you are a totally different way more self-actualized way more comfortable version of yourself and when you're famous the general public doesn't give you the grace to have evolved to the person you now are because they are really fixated on your persona at your most signature time of like peak fame and i think that's why a lot of people go a little bit crazy and it's why I think artists have to evolve and they have to have one for them, one for me type situations where their every album's not going to be their biggest album. You can't constantly outdo yourself at a point. You have to really like harness what makes you unique and what fulfills you as an artist because you have the money and you have a fame, have the fame and you don't need your art to be as, as, as gimmicky or as mainstream or as palatable as it once needed to be you can actually stretch a little bit more and venture into things you really like and find either more of a niche audience or people will stay with you. But anywho, I'm rambling. I could talk about these things forever. But anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope um, 
uh, you like the Taylor Swift theories. I'm sure a lot of you don't. Even if you're not a fan, you have to admit the uh, mystery of it all is interesting. I think that's it. It's like I'm a I'm a fan of her and I'm a huge fan of riddles. And you combine those two things. It's my kryptonite. So <laughs> that's that. Um, anyway, guys, I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to patreon.com slash be there in five if you want me to keep podcasting until I find an advertiser because I kind of have an expiration date of February of this year. Uh, I've been done this for one year unpaid and I just really want us to keep doing it. Um, and by Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star, my children's parody book. Even if you don't have a kid, even if you're not going to baby shower, it's just a fun conversation piece. It's it's a great coffee table book. It's it, it's it's fun and cute, and it's fourteen ninety five. And you can always return it, but I, I'd encourage you to at least look. Um, and I think that's it. Subscribe, rate, review. I don't know, whatever. Do, do what you like, like what you do. <laughs> um, I am going to end with a song that uh, some p- people on Patreon heard a couple weeks ago but it's fitting because now i'm revisiting this theory having thought through it a little bit more and you know who doesn't love a little disney now and now and again i'm not gonna play as much of it because i'm terrified of them but i i do buy all of my music like buy it not stream it buy it because i i i I never want to step on toes of, of intellectual property but i do think that we all deserve to pay homage to the media we consume and like, and we can promote it in a way, in a small clip of it, where we're not using it for our own profit. I'm certainly not. But we are reminding people of its existence and getting it further exposure. And I just, I don't know, I don't see an ethical issue in, you know, sharing 30 seconds of a song. I, for one, think it adds a lot to this podcast, don't you? I always think that beginning and end song is like such a fun aspect that I didn't even know I would do, but it kind of became a thing as it went along. Anyway. Okay, as always, let me know your thoughts, and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. Go on and kiss the girl.